JMV here with Brian Kahn from Floors to Your Home. Fans, if you're shopping for flooring of any kind, you need to check these guys out. You're going to have the most incredible, totally hassle-free shopping experience ever. JMV, we really appreciate you saying that. That's our goal every day, to offer our customers a quick, easy, and hassle-free experience at all of our Floors to Your Home locations. Fans, it works like this. You see the product you like. It's going to be cheaper than anywhere else. That's for sure. Then you can immediately take it home with you or have it installed. That's right. No hassle, no special order. Just see it, buy it, and take it home, or have it installed. Like three rooms of hardwood, laminate, or waterproof flooring starting at just 349 and they have everything in stock. I'm doing my whole house, and believe me, this is the best shopping experience you'll ever have. Three convenient locations, Avon, Noblesville, and Brookville Road. Who gives the quickest, easiest, and most hassle-free buying experience? Floors to your home. That's who. What in the hell do you think you are doing? Hey, John Boy. I'm telling you straight, it's my way or the highway. So anybody wants to walk, do it now. Hey, everybody, we're all going to get late. And again, it's picked up. It's Darius Leonard. A pick six for the Maniac. Touchdown, I-N-D-Y. Yes, sir. Oh, what the chicken. Double time. Miles Turner. Yeah. John, I have never been better to be on the air with you here in Indianapolis, a place where so many of my dreams have come true. The Ride with JMV on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. We're going to have a detailed plan on how we want to get things done. Um, but, I, you know, I go with my gut feeling on a lot of things. You know, I'm a gut feeling guy, especially, you know, on game day. Um, I'll have a gut feeling on when to do certain things uh, as a play caller, um, all those different things. But, uh, again, we're going to be aggressive and all those different things. And my philosophy offensively, I'm sure you guys are going to ask, but my philosophy on offense is this. And it's going to look different each week, but my philosophy is we're going to throw to score points in this league and run to win. We're going to throw to score points and run to win. Now, that could look different each week. You know, we sometimes I've went into games like, hey, we're going to throw it a bunch, and then we end up running it 45 times. So um, it's going to, the flow is going to dictate that. Um, I know we got some pieces in place to get that done, uh, and we should be ready to roll. That's Shane Steichen, the new head coach of the Colts right there. The quote was, we're going to throw to score points, and we're going to run to win. Now, the one thing – and by the way, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us. Shane Steichen, the new head coach of the Colts. We'll talk about that. We'll get your opinions on that throughout the course of the afternoon. I believe as it stands right now, I think Shane Steichen's going to join me tomorrow from the way that it appears. Now, again, if all of a sudden they can do something in the 5 o'clock hour, for that matter, at any time, I'm ready to roll. So if they can with the Colts, then I'll be here. If it is tomorrow, it is tomorrow. But I can tell you that it'll be either today or tomorrow. We'll lean on tomorrow. And Rick Venturi is going to join us for the first time. You know, Rick is always fantastic at the beginning, right before the draft, and at the end of seasons. And because this has been a long, drawn-out process – Uh, Rick and I stay in communication, but I just said, yeah, well, you just chill until we find out something concrete, and we got something concrete today, and Rick's going to join us in the 4 o'clock hour coming up tomorrow. 
So can't wait for that. A lot of what we discussed yesterday is applicable as far as today. Now it being for sure that Shane Steichen is the next head coach of the Colts. A lot of it. A lot of the offensive philosophy. The one thing that stood out to me was at the beginning where Chris Ballard, before they turned it over to the new Colts head coach, had mentioned that the vision, I'm paraphrasing here, but the vision, or in the words of Chris Ballard, we see the same things. I know that kind of scared people a little bit. We see the same things. Listen, there's going to have to be a change in philosophy. I don't care. It does not matter. You don't go in this direction. That's one good thing. Like, if it were one of my old crusty guys, right? Well, we've been down this path before, and we'll mix it up, and you can use some of those old cliches, but you're going with a 37-year-old that never been a head coach, and the success level that he has had in the NFL has been what? By virtue of having skill position players. When he went over, all those players that he was thinking that he had coached up in the past, did you notice that about 90, 95% of those players he thanked were high caliber skill position players? Anybody else notice that? I love that. If there's going to be anything about today's press conference, I loved it was that because I'm not so much about the coach as I am about the change in philosophy and how you come about that. That's my hope. That's what's necessary. I was on with Tony Katz a little bit earlier today, and he goes, well, you got the the NFL draft coming up in the spring. You know, how is this hire going to affect it? And you had a couple of different things Jim Mersey had mentioned that, you know, referenced a young quarterback during the presser. We'll hear bits and pieces, chunks of this as we move forward throughout the course of the afternoon. But Jim Mersey mentioned that. Jim Mersey also had mentioned when they were talking about Jalen Hurts and how he got to Philly. He was a second-round pick, which is fantastic. If you can do that, do it. And then they were all laughing because the Eagles traded back to get him in round two. And we have seen how that has worked out in Philadelphia offensively for them. So everybody kind of laughed a little bit. And then, you know, they were they were talking about something. And then Jim Mercy kind of stepped in and said, we like that guy. I really like that guy from Alabama. Again, I'm paraphrasing on this. So clearly he was pointing the finger at Bryce Young right there. But when I was talking to Tony a little bit earlier today, he said, your philosophy has been what so far? My philosophy has been, there's no doubt, today was important. Today was important to find your head coach and to move. And not only find your head coach, but hopefully have a a change, again, in philosophy, a change in blueprint detail on how you put together a team. The positions that are of ultimate importance and those that you can wait on for a minute those that aren't all these nfl cliches are great the three yards and a cloud of dust and you know you win by running the football and build on both sides all that's great the problem you're going to run into is this 
if it doesn't work over the better part of six years and you're constantly on a treadmill of quarterback this and quarterback that, you got to settle in. You got to find who you want in this draft. And to me, coming up in April, who you find at the top of this draft to be your long term quarterback is, to me, hugely more important than today. Nothing against the head coach and nothing against that hire whatsoever. I told you yesterday, I'm going to be very open-minded on it. One of the reasons why is I don't know really what to expect. We don't sit here and currently able to talk about a quarterback. And I'll give the new guy the benefit of the doubt for being able to put something together. For providing a little bit of hope around here. Because there has not been a lot of that. You go all the way back to not last year, but the year before last. Christmas night in Arizona was really the last time anybody had a level of field good. That includes a win over Kansas City this past year. But you look how far back you go, and for the most part, you just look at the the six years with Ballard, and something's got to give on this. Something's got to give. Either you just simply didn't have the right quarterback. Either you simply didn't have the right head coach. Or your philosophy is not right with the direction in which the NFL has been going. And that's where I would lay my money if I were a betting man. Yeah, this guy's not going to want to slide in here and... You know, be about running the football to win. That's that's one thing that you take from all this is throw the football to score, run it to win. And you got to be able to throw it. And to be able to throw it, first, you got to get a quarterback that's able to do it. Got to get a quarterback that's going to have time to do it or create his own time to do it. I would rather him have time because if he has to create his own, his own time with this, that's going to make what we saw this past year look even worse along that offensive line. I would like to sit here and think that this group is going to be better than that. But you have to have that quarterback, and then you have to have guys that are going to be good. Your philosophy is going to have to change. I know. I know that he's drafted Michael Pittman Jr. I know that he drafted Alec Pierce. But let's face it, a lot of this felt like it was kicking and screaming. You go to it when you absolutely have to go to it. Because in terms of go-to, they have no go-to guy in that department, and they still don't. So over everything else, here's the hope. The hope in the new head coach means the hope in a change of philosophy. Because you're going into year number seven where there's not a lot of things about this group that's incredibly believable. And this group has been based on a philosophy and it hadn't worked. So hopefully we see, again, across the board, that particular change. That's the one thing that stood out to me when he was going over all those players of the past, you know, how many talented skill position players. It's like you're laying claim to this is how you win. 
This is how you put yourself in position to win. And what the Colts have had isn't. That's how you become or slide into this case becoming a backmarker. And you don't want to be that. So that's why I took away from the conversation today. He's going to call his own plays, he being Shane Steichen. Kind of interesting, too, because that's where Sirianni started doing that and then became overwhelmed, and that's how Steichen ended up calling the plays because of that, and it seemed like it was much better there when Steichen was calling the plays. We'll see how that continues to move forward. But again, that was no big surprise. I think a lot of people felt that directionally was the place they were going to go. You know, the guy that you're bringing in, the offensive mind you're bringing in, was going to be the guy that staked his claim to his offense, his personnel, his philosophies, his blueprint, all that. So that wasn't much of a big surprise. Anybody gather from what Jim Irsay said? Do you have the Irsay comment at all regarding what he said about Alabama's quarterback? I can find it. When you find that, let me know. Anybody else gather that maybe with that comment, that response, retort, if you will, that Jim Mercer felt that he was open to trying to to trade up if necessary? Anybody feel that way? Or was that just a response? Was that a positional response? Hey, we're talking about this side of it, so we want to make sure we try to keep this as even as possible. Uh, this is a positional response. The reason why I would say it wasn't a positional response once you hear it is because it was Jim Irsay. I don't know if Jim Irsay has a positional response. I just think he has a, I'm going to blurt this out because this is what I think. That's his response. That's what it felt like earlier today. There may be nothing to it. Yeah, they're going to go over everybody still. You know, I'm in a spot right now where I'm basing my opinion on, I mean, barely a handful of games for these quarterbacks. But that's where we're moving right now. And when Jim Irsay kind of bloated that out in an obvious reference to Bryce Young, anybody else gather that maybe they would be open to trading up if need be, if they have somebody up there that they want to go out and get that they absolutely covet? Would they trade up? This is how it sounded. You know, there, there's many things you can do. Uh, they took Jalen in the second round. So, trade um, back. yeah, trade back. So, um, he likes that'll picks. Be a, that'll be a Twitter freaking quote. <laughs> he, he likes picks. Uh, 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 although the Alabama guy doesn't look bad, I tell you. Um, uh, yeah. Chris Ballard with the trade back. You talk about sports arousals. Chris Ballard gets a sports arousal in picks and trading back. So was that Jim Irsay repositioning things to make it balanced and even? Or was that Jim Irsay saying, hey, if we like that guy or any guy that is going to go before us, all hands on deck on this thing. That to me did not sound sound like more of a blur. This is what I like. Contrary to how Chris Ballard normally works on this. That's how I took it. This is what I like. Now, maybe you can get it for what you want it for. 
and I've said this before, it's easy to say don't settle. I don't know if we're ever going to know if they do settle. But did that sound like an owner that would be cool with if the guy that you like, that's your future here. That's your future at quarterback, the guy that you like. If you have to go up, trade up, and get him, do you do it? Or are all these guys just going to be ultimately so close together that you don't want to risk giving up things for something that basically is going to be so close to the same anyway? How much separation might there be between these guys? Any? Those are some of the questions that we not only will ask, but we will also answer as we move forward to the spring NFL draft. But I found that interesting on both sides from a Chris Ballard standpoint of uh, being like a squirrel in the wintertime with acorn nuts in a tree, covet them to the point where Jim Mercer says, yeah, that guy from Alabama I like. If I'm guessing... If I'm guessing right now, I think that they would absolutely be open to it. Kind of interesting, too. People are talking about the quarterback of the future, the offense of the future. What might that look like? You know, I asked the question yesterday about Philadelphia because Philadelphia runs all those RPOs, and they have a quarterback to do it. They have a quarterback to do it. They have a quarterback that can move. Uh, They also have a quarterback that can throw it down the field, and they have wide receivers, and especially one. Devontae Smith is certainly one, but A.J. Brown is one where he can go up and get it. Let's face it. You watch the Super Bowl touchdown catch by A.J. Brown. It wasn't one of those precision tight window throws. It was, I'm going to throw it down there. I'm going to go throw a jump ball up, and my guy is so much better than yours. That's what has to happen. That is also what has to happen around here. It's all great if you're quarterback. We've seen that in the past. We've seen the quarterback around here make guys better. But we also seen the quarterback around here have guys that are already very good. I mean, let's face it, for the Manning era, there's no doubt Peyton Manning made guys like Blair White and Devin Aramishadu and Crifonzo Thorpe memorable catching passes for a game, for a week, for a season, whatever. But there was that nice mixture of having somebody under center that's able to do that and then the mixture of having guys that can go out there and go up and get theirs. And he also had that. So I think a lot can be learned moving forward about Shane Steichen and his Philadelphia offense and what is necessary. And a lot of us have been complaining about the Chris Ballard philosophy And we wondered if there's going to be an adjustment moving forward in that philosophy. We sit here and tell you there absolutely has to be. But I think you learned today that there is is going to be. I think you understand that now by virtue of who they hired, there has to be. So if you didn't learn anything today other than those two or three things that I point out, we'll see if you guys buy into it. 239-1070 is the number. I'll get your thoughts now that it is concretely done. And again, Shane Steichen, I think the expectation is he's going to join me on the show coming up tomorrow.
So we shall be ready for that tomorrow. Rick Venturi is going to be on the show with me coming up tomorrow, too, and give his vast insight. All right, here's how we're looking today. Everything is at the bottom of the hour. That's kind of flipped upside down and weird. Zach Kiefer is going to join us from the athletic bottom of the hour. Of course, I think he had the first question out there today. To Shane Steichen. Shane Steichen was incredibly emotional. You have any of that emotion over there, too? The beginning of that? I can find into it. any of the emotion. Find the the hey, I tell you what, find the place where he was going over all the names and giving all the thank yous. That one jumped off the page. And one of those thank yous was to Phillip Rivers. And clearly, uh both sides of it, both the Colts new head coach and Chris Ballard and Jim Irsay had some deeply rooted conversations with the one year quarterback in Phillip Rivers regarding Steichen and their long relationship in the past. And the information he got from Phillip Rivers, really both sides right there. But it's interesting. A lot was said today. I don't know how much you take away from it until you hear it from the coach himself. But I think some tidbits you can take away. Some tidbits you can take away, file it away, and then maybe double back and say, yeah, did uh, do we get a little bit of insight during that presser when it happened on Valentine's Day? That is where the curiosity lies with me now moving forward and certainly understanding how important the draft is going to be. The draft and the search for that future long-term quarterback. Some of you may not believe that it's actually here. I don't know how much a lot of you, because I, I think there's some skeptical some skeptical reasons why you look at Stroud or you look at Young or you look at Levis and wonder if this is the type of guy to be longer term here. But that's where the important is going to be, is finding that. Finding that and then acclimating that to this team moving forward. That is where you're going to find it. That is, to me, we're going to be talking so much more about that than we are this right now. The thank yous from Shane Steichen earlier today with those in mind that helped him get to become now the new head coach of the Colts. Thank you to the players I've had the privilege to be around and coach. Thank you to Philip Rivers. I can't say enough about how much you've had impact on me as a coach. So many great memories together and couldn't be more thankful for our friendship. Thank you to Antonio Gates, Keenan Allen, Justin Herbert, and most recently, thank you to A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, Quez Watkins, Zach Paschal, Dallas Goddard, Jack Stoll, Grant Calcaterra, Miles Sanders, Boston Scott, Kenny Gainwell, Jordan Malata, Landon Dickerson, Jason Kelsey, Isaac Suamala, Lane Johnson, Ian Book, Gardner Minshew, and last but not least, Jalen Hurts. Oh, there's a lot. There were a lot of skill position players in those mentions right there. Yeah, I know. We got some offensive linemen. I know everybody's way, 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 way. Yeah, Zach Paschal. No, but seriously, there were a lot of skill position players in that mention. That is why you have to know that the philosophy of Ballard 
it's already started to evolve, or at least it should have already, but it is going to become a complete evolution now. Because that's where you're going. That's where you're going with this hire. Is you're realizing, listen, are you ever going to come out and say, what I did for six years is absolutely, positively, completely wrong, even though the results haven't been there? But that, to me, is a change in philosophy. People have wondered that. Is he going to change? Is he going to adjust? Even if you don't say change, just say adjust. I think that alone tells you that that is the plan. Quick break, and we'll come back. Zach Kiefer, the athletic, was there, lobbed in the first question. We will talk with him about that very thing. Alex Golden of Setting the Pace is going to join us coming up at 4.30 today. The Pacers, another loss last night at home against Utah. We'll go over that, where this team is right now. Uh, People are telling me that George Hill got 10 minutes last night. It was too many. Was it too many? This point, at this point, and it's unfortunate because I really enjoyed watching this team play and win games and surprise, but we are absolutely at the reality of it. It is not very good, and it is going to be a bottom feeder the rest of the way. And you'll see if you can come up with something special coming up in the June draft. Position yourself for that, I guess. I hate it that it's that way because I so thoroughly enjoyed the winning because we get so little of an opportunity to embrace winning around here. But certainly it appears that that level of winning that we saw prior to the injury to Tyrese Halliburton has come and unfortunately gone. Alex Golden in the 4 o'clock hour. Greg Rakestraw is coming up at 5.30. All right, 239-1070 is the number. If you guys want to jump on board, you can. Your thoughts on Shane Steichen leading the way. 37 years of age, offensive coordinator of the Eagles, the new head coach of the Colts. I know a lot of you want to get into the crying and the emotional part. I, I'm When you think about it this way, think about the guy that was the head coach in Philly. The offensive coordinator here, Nick Sirianni, goes to Philly and had arguably one of the worst pressers to introduce a head coach of all time. And nobody even cares. Nobody gives a crap about it right now. Nobody cares. Then you saw the emotion of Sirianni crying during the national anthem before the Super Bowl. And that's viewed as a position of emotion and or strength. Yeah, all that matters is what you end up doing with this team. Oh, the question that Greg Doyle asked, yeah, who cared? And all that matters is, and I know a lot of people are upset about that. I didn't appear that the coach got upset. I don't think anybody else got upset. This stuff doesn't really matter. That's just the emotion of the moment. And again, there have been incredible introductory press conferences where you thought that a head coach would never lose a game. And it turned out it's been an absolute struggle. And there have been some bad ones, and Sirianni was a bad one. Man, that stuff to me is not going to matter. What matters to me is the change in philosophy. The understanding of where the NFL is today, especially offensively, and going out and getting it. 
That's going to be the test for the new head coach, 37-year-old Shane Steichen, who joins us on the show coming up tomorrow. All right, Zach Kiefer of The Athletic on the other side. Your thoughts as well inside the lounge via YouTube Live. I'll see you guys. I'll check in with you coming up in just a second. What else we got for you? Jason Aldean tickets, I think, again today for the September show at Ruoff Home Mortgage Music Center 2. Greg Rakestraw, Alex Golden. We've also got you HD Radio. We've got you on the stream, the app, and more. And your thoughts regarding the new head coach of the Colts. It's concrete. We'll move in the direction with you and Zach Kiefer on the other side next. 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. What did you say? I said you need a water break. You need a water break. Water is for cowards. Water makes you weak. Water is for washing blood off that uniform, and you don't get no blood on my uniform. Boy, you must be outside your mind. 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan. Happy Valentine's Day to everybody. One of the more coveted days on this show is Valentine's Day. When we can soak up the re-entries for the love in honor of Valentine's Day. Oh, 90 slow jam Mike Wells magic right there with Shy. James is here. I'm John. Thank you for joining us. Alex Golden, Greg Rakestraw still to come. Let me set some folks straight here. One is, I mean, what did you expect coming into the season? This is a successful season, no matter for the Pacers. I didn't have it. Listen, I like them winning is all I'm saying. I've said all along, this is what we expected. That's what we're getting right now. This was the expectation. But I can't lie to you. I enjoyed when they were playing well and winning games. I don't enjoy watching teams lose. I've had enough of teams losing. There's anything wrong with that. I fully expect this. Now, Danby, thank you, Mr. Buzzkill. Always got to be negative. What in the world am I negative on here? What in the world was I negative? Please figure that out. Talk amongst yourselves. Report back to me in a second on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline from The Athletic. He is Zach Kiefer. So it's funny. When I was thinking about that press conference as I was watching today, the one thing that occurred to me, because we constantly get these questions about, well, Chris Ballard's philosophy on what is the build of a great team change. And I think we both agree that it absolutely has to. And I think we know now that it's going to. Because I thought that Shane Steichen gave us a little insight Insight on all those players that he thanked for help helping him get to where he is right now as the next head coach of the Colts. So many different elite level, high level skill position players of value. I thought that that alone spoke volumes during that presser. Yeah, I think that's a good takeaway. It definitely struck me as different. He sounded different. He, he spoke differently than the coaches that I've covered with this team the last couple of years. And I think that's a good thing. I think you're right, JMV. They need, they need a new vision. They need a new voice. And I think just from the press conference, and I don't want to overreact. It's just a press conference. Remember, Nick Sirianni absolutely bombed his in Philly. And, and so I don't want to take too much into this. But, look, this is a guy that's going to be uber aggressive on the offensive side of the ball. He's going to be really good situationally because he cares about that. You know, one of the things that jumped out to Jim Irsay was, 
he made a call to Philip Rivers, and he's like, Philip, what's this guy like? And Philip, who's as smart of a football player as, as I think I've covered in all my years, he said, look, this guy is as smart as anybody I've been around. And that says a lot coming from Philip Rivers. There was one time when, for some reason, the play script was lost during the game. And so Steichen was just calling plays on the fly. So he's one of those offensive minds, and they wanted offense. Make no mistake, they had a lot of defensive guys in the finalist group, but Ursay wanted offense. He's one of those guys where the intelligence and the offensive background really jumped out at them. Um, and I think, I think you know, it's going to be different. I think it's going to sound different. I think it's going to look different. But to your point, now the, the Colts have some talent on offense. Not, let's not overlook Jonathan Taylor and Michael Pittman Jr. But can, can Steichen, like, bring the offensive line from the Eagles over? Because that really is going to help. If you want to do what he wants to do, he said he wants to pass to win, or excuse me, pass to, pass to score and run to win, you're going to have to block. And, and they don't they don't bring in a rookie quarterback. And well, they're supposed to be. They, things happen. They, they were supposed to be like, right, in, in theory, what everybody thought and what we were told, they were supposed to be like what we saw out of the Eagles consistently as a group offensive line-wise this year. Yeah, how'd that go? <laughs> no, that exactly. Go? That's what they're supposed to be. And and they weren't, and and I think that's the concern. I, you know what I, I I'm hoping yeah. that Ballard adjusts some theories because if he doesn't, I don't know how this is going to go a lot better than what we have seen. Unfortunately, I, I just think I, he's going to have to meet in the middle on some of these offensive philosophies. I think he realizes that. Hopefully, he does. No, no, John, forget the middle. Like, go to the other side, right? Like, look at their freaking roster that they had in Philly, like. Look, they put up 35 points a game and, and a thousand yards in three games in the in the playoffs, right? Against really good teams. I mean, theoretically, the playoffs. I get that San Francisco didn't have an off, they didn't have a quarterback, et cetera. But look, this is a guy that made the most of a lot of talent. Now he doesn't have the same talent here, but in terms of philosophy, you know, Ballard said he's not going to change in terms of they need to win up front. Well, the Eagles are better on the offensive line and they're better on the defensive line, so. The Colts are going to have to get there, but Steichen said a couple of things today, and, and you, you mentioned all the different players that he threw out. Um, this is a player's league. It's always going to be a player's league, and, and Frank Reich would say that as well, but I think Steichen's going to look at this team and say, we need to get more weapons offensively. Um, I fully expect Gus Bradley to be back on defense, and, and Bubba Ventrone was there as well today. I expect he has a good chance to keep that special coordinator, special teams coordinator job. But this is all about the offense moving forward, and, and Steichen's won with a lot of different quarterbacks and different skill sets. But you're right. Forget the middleman. Forget compromise. I would go with the new voice and what he wants. Give this guy the tools that he wants and see what he can do with them. Well, and there was something that Frank Reich never, at least from what you you hear or were told, never really pushed it as far as personnel was concerned. Obviously, yeah, he sold the uh, the bill of goods that was Carson Wentz around here, and that do, didn't do him a great deal of, of service, certainly. But he didn't push it in a lot of ways personnel-wise. Do you think Shane Steichen, in this case, moving forward, will? I think he should. I think he should because he knows what he wants. And, and just remember this, when we get to April – this is something I've talked to Jim Irsay about behind the scenes and something he mentioned today. The running quarterback is something they're very, very fascinated by in Indianapolis. The way Jim Irsay sees it is, is having 12 men on the field, right? Because you have a quarterback who can run and also throw, and, and really you, you have an extra blocker because of that. 
And he mentioned that as a reason the Eagles beat the Colts by one point in November because of Jalen Hurts' running ability, 12 versus 11. Something like that was what Ursay said. And obviously you look at these quarterbacks in the draft and Stroud and Young and Levis and Richardson, they can all, they can all move. It's not going to be a statue back there like they've had in the past with Phillip Rivers and, say, with Matt Ryan. But, you know, that's where this league is going. And as, as much as any good coach has done recently, especially in the last year, Steichen has made wonderful progress with Jalen Hurts and really turned him into an elite-level thrower on top of the RPO scramble QB draw game that you saw in the Super Bowl where he had three touchdowns on the ground. So, look, you're going to go, you're going to go get this guy in the draft, which they're going to go. They're going to go get a quarterback. I guarantee it. And, and, and Ursa even mentioned today, that Alabama kid, we like him. So, like, he's already throwing the tea leaves out the window and just saying we're going to go get one. But um, this is, you know, in a lot of ways, this decision is, is not necessarily about 2023 and 2024. This is about 2025 and 6 and 7 and where you're at when that quarterback starts to develop and Steichen ideally grows into the job. So he's 37, man. He's young. He's the second youngest coach this team has ever hired behind Don Shula way back in 1963. So they're banking on these traits, and they're banking on the most important decision of this offseason, which is not this one. This is the second most important. The most important is what they do with that first pick in, in the draft in April. He's Zach Kiefer of The Athletic. He's on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Shane Steichen announced today it's official, the next head coach of the Colts, too. And I want to get back to the longer term and while i agree it is certainly further down the road i think the sooner rather than the later signs of this team with its quarterback moving forward i yeah this year 2023 okay i get you that it's probably going to be another struggle i think we can all expect that but you got to see signs this year at different points and then i think you got to see 2024 is when you should start to see some things because ultimately and we'll see what happens with houston we'll see if jacksonville continues down that path and certainly what happens in nashville but ultimately it's still going to be the afc south so you've got to see some signs don't you here or there it can't be all about 25 and 26 and that far down the road yeah and and that's a good point and one thing that Ballard mentioned at the end of the season that I wholeheartedly agree with, and I think you will as well, is this team's had a hard time with expectations the last couple of years. They, they keep talking about division championships, and, and, and the owner keeps talking about Super Bowls. Like, stop. Like, just stop talking about that stuff. Start by winning the AFC South. Like, start by just beating the freaking Jaguars in Jacksonville for the first time in, like, nine years. So, I think obviously the expectations are going to be completely reset. And, and to get to what you were talking about, I think Steichen's going to learn on the job. He's young. I think the offensive coordinator hire is really important. I would go get a veteran who's maybe even had head coaching experience who knows what that step up is like. I mean, he's going to call the plays, and, and I think he's got a great track record for that. But, again, Nick Sirianni stepped away from calling the plays about November of his first season, gave yeah. it to Steichen. And the Eagles have taken off from there. So there's a lot to deal with on game day when you're the head coach. But in terms of progress, what I want to see is is not just the head coach, but where's the rookie quarterback in week one and where's he at in week 18? If there's tangible progress, that's a win for the Colts, regardless of how many games you eke out in the season. I mentioned this earlier, too. Does it surprise you that he went ahead and said, yeah, I'm going to be one, the one calling the plays? Considering this is what I talked about in the first segment and what you just brought up. Because with Nick Sirianni, he realized that there was a lot on the plate. So he turned it over and Philly took off. 
offensively after he turned that over. Are you surprised that at least right now he's decided to go ahead and take on the reins of the play calling himself, knowing that? Not really. You know, just and I'm not saying I know Shane Steichen, but but just seeing him in this presser, he, he doesn't mess around. He's just going to get right to the point. And I think the Colts were very sold on him intelligence-wise, offensively. They called him a brilliant mind and all that, and, and they're selling him, right? They're selling him on day one. I get it. But what Ursay needed to know, what he needed to feel was that presence, was that leadership, was that intangible head coaching quality we talk a lot about. That's what they're going to have to figure out because you're not going to know it right now. You're not going to know it really until it gets hard in the next couple of months. And it will. It will be hard in the next couple of months with this rookie quarterback and, it, and a roster that's just not there. So that's going to be the interesting part. But to answer your question, you know, offensive coaches are doing it differently. Like even Frank Reich, who had called the plays in Indy, obviously got to Carolina. And they asked him straight up, are you going to call the plays? And he said, you know, I'm not sure right now. I'm going to think about that. And it depends on his OC hire and that. But, you know, I, there was a lot of conviction in Shane Steichen's voice when he answered that question today. There was no hesitation. He's calling the plays. That's what he told the Colts in the interviews. And then they worked him through a lot of situational things, a lot of situational things. What do you do if this happens, if this happens, if it's this down a distance, if it's this late in the game and you don't have timeouts? Some of the stuff that Jeff Saturday really struggled with late in the year, that was the stuff that Shane Steichen really excelled at in the interview. Some of the people were just floored listening to this guy because his intelligence was just off the charts. So, look, it's one thing to nail an interview. It's another thing to be a really good head coach. But in terms of that stuff, I feel like he's pretty well prepared for that. Seems like with this group, too, that at, at some point, if, if you yourself, and clearly Shane Steichen was, prepared for this interview, whether it's you know round one or round two, uh, you know that you have to go to the leadership well a number of times because you, you, you get kind of like in um, you know, when Tom Cruise walked in and you know you had me at hello, right? Um, yeah. I think you have the Colts. You have Jim Ursay especially. You have him at mentioning leadership. It appears, don't you? And, and, and not just that, John. Who did the Colts have to turn down to hire Shane Steichen? You, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's it's no secret in this town that just Saturday, you know, Irsay was smitten by him. And the night he hired him in November, he said, this is for eight games and hopefully more. And, you know, I, I about two weeks ago, I didn't think Jeff Saturday was going to get this job based on the conversations that I had. But I don't think it was easy for Jim Irsay to get to that conclusion. And I know Jeff can be very enticing in a room, like very convincing. And when you give him the floor and he says, if I'm going to hire this guy and this guy and this guy, it's going to be completely different. I'm not sure Chris Ballard sold that, but I believe to a degree Jim Irsay wanted that to be the guy, at least initially. And for Shane Steichen to come in and completely overwhelm them in terms of impressing them, um, you know, that, that's important to note here that, you know, Jeff Saturday was passed over and they basically called this the slam dunk. So that does tell you something about how impressed they were with Shane Steichen. It was, when, when did they realize it was a slam dunk? So they talked to 900 different people. When, when did they finally right. get their, their uh, socks blown off or whatever it was by, by the greatness of, of this? I'm just kind of curious how that works. I understand where you want to make sure everybody is vetted as roundly as possible. But normally in these circumstances, Zach, you, know, you, you kind of are blown away by what somebody brings to the table in an interview. Do we know when that occurred? Yeah, they're not going to say this. My best guess is, is Friday night before the Eagles left for the Super Bowl. So Jim Mercer flew out there first and met with Shane Steichen for about five hours solo. 
So Ursay and Steichen in a room for five hours. The following day, the whole contingent interviewed him more formally in Philadelphia. Chris Ballard, Brian Decker, Pete Ward was in the room, the Ursay daughters as well. So, you know, that's the situational stuff. Ursay interview could be whatever Jim Ursay wants, but really after those two days, that's when they had it in their mind that he was the guy. They wanted an offensive guy and they wanted it to be a guy that could really feel would grow into the head coaching role. So, in that vein, that was decided then. Now, the other thing is they had a Super Bowl to wait for, and they didn't want to be a distraction to Shane Steichen, and they also needed to vet him because they learned the hard way with Josh McDaniels. So I think that was the next challenge was keeping it quiet over the next week, and they obviously didn't start telling some other guys that they were out until Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, including just Saturday. That's when it started to become very obvious that it was going to be Steichen. Um, that's the process they went. And to be honest, I can't blame them one bit, as embarrassing as it was the last time. I don't blame them one bit for crossing all the T's and dotting all the I's before they got to this point. Um, but, you know, as of, as of Friday before the Eagles left for the Super Bowl, so nine days before the Super Bowl, they had a pretty good idea that he was going to be the guy. Yeah, and it, you can kind of see it coming. There's no doubt. Zach Kiefer's with us. Before I let you go, so Gus Bradley was there today. You mentioned Bubba Ventron was also present. So, obviously, these guys are going to be a part of the staff, correct? Yeah, I, I'd be really, really, really surprised if they weren't. They were both there today. There's nothing formal. There's nothing announced yet. But unless something goes haywire, they're both going to be back. Gus Bradley, again, was with Shane Steichen for four years in L.A., Steichen said some really good things about him. And I think that's a really smart move because you can just trust Gus. He knows what he's doing. He's not a wild card. He's not a first-time coordinator. A lot of the players like playing for Gus, too. So that's one less thing Steichen needs on his plate. And to be honest, Steichen needs to fix the offense, man. And there's enough to do there to keep him busy by itself. Yeah, I mean, no doubt about that. Personnel-wise, no doubt. Before I let you go, final thing, because we mentioned you know, Jim Irsay when he kind of bloated out, you know, I like that or we like that Alabama kid, whatever he said. I'm going, not going to quote him on this, but he said something in, in that vein. Does, <laughs> does that help or hurt the Colts, considering that at least sitting here right now, you're probably going to have to trade up to get him? Is that is that something where – because we've been talking about basically for the better part of five or so months how, you know, Jim Irsay probably should – you know, chill on and not meddle. I don't think this was meddling, but do you do yourself any favors by saying that in that setting, or does it matter? No, you you know the answer to that question, John. No, no, it's best to just stay quiet. He can't help himself, and he doesn't have a boss, so he can do whatever he wants. Um, I will add this. You know, he mentioned the Alabama kid, and then Chris kind of chimed in sarcastically, and he looked at the media because he knows how this is going to come off. And he said, hey, we might trade down. Imagine if they trade down and take an offensive lineman. And then, you know, Steichen said something interesting, too. He said, look, that's, that's something Chris and I are going to decide. So he's going to have a huge role. The new head coach is going to have a huge role in this quarterback process, which they've already started and which they'll continue with the pro days and the combine and, and all that stuff. But, but like I said a minute ago, like, Steichen is the second most important decision this team makes this offseason. The most important decision is what they do at four or three or two or one does Houston trade up? Do they feel like they need to trade up? Does Carolina and Frank Reich, do they go get a quarterback ahead of you? That's going to be huge. And so that's the next question this team needs to ask, answer is who's going to be the quarterback moving forward. But, no, I mean, like I would – at this point, just like don't say anything. And I think the Colts are going to put a concerted effort 
moving forward to not say a damn thing about the quarterbacks until they get to April because that's all we're going to talk about, right? That's the only thing that really matters moving forward. Um, they got to get the quarterback right. They've got to get it right. And you think that it's going to be a veteran offensive coordinator? It won't be a, like Brian Johnson, for example, who was the quarterback's coach. he get elevated in Philly to the OC to take over so Steichen and maybe Steichen gets a, a veteran type of guy as the OC. What do you think goes down there? Yeah, that's that's more speculation on my part. There's, there's one name that popped in my head was Kevin Petullo, who was here as a receivers yeah. coach a couple of years ago, did a really good job. He's the pass game coordinator in Philly. Obviously, they did wonderful things this year with Jalen Hurts, the elevation with A.J. Brown. Um, but I'm just thinking out loud, like an offensive veteran, like a Pep Hamilton who has a history with Shane Steichen from their time with the Chargers. And, and Pep Hamilton was here. He coached Andrew Luck. He's coached Justin Herbert. He's, he's coached everywhere, it seems like. I, here's my thing, John. If you're going to hire an OC, if you hire a veteran who's not necessarily chasing a head coaching job, then you have a better chance at stability at keeping him here. If you hire a young guy and you ball out with this new quarterback, that guy's going to be gone in two or three years. Look at Nick Sirianni. There's, it's no fault of him that he hired two great coordinators, but he's out two coordinators in one day, two really good coaches and Jonathan Gannon and Shane Steichen. And so that's, that's the gamble you take is if you hire a really good young guy especially on offense. He's going to get hired, whether he's ready or not, to be a head coach. So I would lead the veteran route, maybe a guy who's been a head coach before because they know what it's like. Because coaches and GMs, they always tell me, like, there's so much non-football stuff that gets added to your plate when you move up to that top job. And so that's the thing that Steichen's going to be experiencing the next couple months. I would love to have a guy who's been there before who says, here's what you need to worry about and here's what you don't. So, Zach here for the Athletics on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Man, I appreciate you jumping on here, and uh, we'll follow the stories because it should be an interesting offseason, to say the least, considering what this team needs. Yeah. One domino's down. A lot more to go. But thanks, John. You got it. Zach Kiefer of the Athletic on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Jeff Saturday did have a video he released about the same time as that press conference got underway. We'll give you a little bit of that coming up a little bit later on, too. Alex Golden setting the pace. Greg Rakestraw on the 5 o'clock hour. Your thoughts on the other side at 239-1070. Shane Steichen, the new head coach of the Colts, joins us on the show tomorrow. Conversation about that choice today. Back with you next. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. Now you listen here. He's not the Messiah. He's a very naughty boy. Now go away. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. I'll go insane. Cue it up, Teddy Riley. This is Valentine's Day, everybody. Slow jammery entries all the way around on Valentine's Day. Q317 says today's podcast title should be Love and Sports with all these bangers being played. I think part of the problem is I play some of these bangers so long that the uh, copyright situation interferes with the replay of it right there. But no, nah, seriously, this is one of these days that you wait on, even if you do not fully intend to take part in anything Valentine's Day. Uh, the re-entries for Valentine's Day is always something that you thoroughly enjoy, and I respect that, and we played that here. Zach Kiefer a little bit earlier. 
Speaking of podcasts, 107.5thefan.com. Regarding today's press conference, Shane Steichen is the new head coach of the Colts. He's going to join us on the show coming up tomorrow. Rick Venturi also on the show with his reaction coming up tomorrow again. Rick Venturi, Shane Steichen tomorrow. Alex Golden setting the pace. Pacers a loser again last night. One more game before the All-Star break for the Pacers. They get Chicago coming up tomorrow night. Of course, the Futures game will have Benedict Matherin and Andrew Nimhart, and they'll be participating in that All-Star weekend in Salt Lake City. And then Tyrese Halliburton is a part of the festivities All-Star weekend in Salt Lake City as well. But last night, just uh, another, if, if you're into enjoying watching winning uh, you're bummed out about it last night. If you're into, why not just go ahead and lose and put yourself in a better position? Then you were probably thrilled last night. But it has been a lot of losing. A lot of losing here in the past month plus. And last night, notwithstanding. I don't know how unfortunate it is. It's from Nick, AJMV, regarding Shane Steichen. I don't get everyone's hate for him being emotional. This is one of the largest events in his life. Reality didn't set in until that press conference. It's just tears of overwhelming joy. I'll be honest with you, I don't care. I don't care. Because I'm more on the results of it. And I do understand... You can go with, uh, for example, a Dan Campbell introductory press conference, kind of laugh about it a little bit. You can go with a Nick Sirianni, where everybody viewed that as an absolute disaster. Remember, everybody thought, I think including us, oh my goodness, this guy, what's he think he's getting into in Philadelphia? And right now, I think everybody's probably happy with that choice. Not too many people think about it. It All that matters are the results. And in this case, remember, it's not going to be results-driven early. They're still going to be losing. But you have to see this team come along. You have to see this team, especially offensively, evolve. It appears that Gus Bradley is going to stay. It appears that Bubba Ventrone is going to stay. Nothing concrete. But because they were both present today at that press conference, by appearances alone, uh, you would have to feel that both of those guys are going to stay. There's a, a long-standing relationship between Shane Steichen and Gus Bradley as well. Back in the Chargers day, so I, I guess you can look at it that way. But it's going to take you looking at things. It's not like all this stuff is going to evolve in a big hurry here. You think about it right now, we don't even know who their next quarterback is going to be. We're going to sit here and talk about who they should draft. We're going to sit here and talk about what veteran they should bring in. Talk about what offensive coordinator they're going to bring in. But this is going to take a minute. And I know you guys probably don't have a great deal of patience in the reserve tank right now. And again, I don't blame you for that either. But it is going to take a minute for sure. Hey, see if you can get some of that Jeff Saturday from that tweet a little bit earlier today. 
Yeah, Jeff Saturday, by the way, in a video, I think it went maybe a minute or two in length. Uh, he mentioned the petition. I thought the, the petition was complete and utter jackassery. I'm sorry. And I know that everybody that signed that petition probably feels justified in signing it now because you got what you want. But it was a high level of jackassery from all you. It really was. Just a high level. A high level of jackassery. You can say what you want about how things didn't go right for him as the interim head coach. But, again, he was thrust into that situation. He took it. He brought it upon himself. But he was going to be placed into, as we found out, a completely unwinnable situation with that group. And I know you all are incredibly satisfied. I'm assuming that it isn't him as the next head coach and it's Shane Steichen. But for somebody that has put a lot into especially a high level of winning around here as a player. Man, that was jackass. You guys got to understand that, don't you? Even people that follow me, even people that like me, you guys got to understand that that was jackass stuff. Here's what Jeff Saturday had to say earlier today. Actually, he tweeted out this video as that press conference officially got underway. What's up, everybody? Hey, first, I just want to say uh, to the Colts organization, the Colts Nation, how much I appreciate the opportunity. I'm so grateful uh, for the last eight weeks of the season and the opportunity to represent you guys. I appreciate the coaches for all your time, energy, and effort to all the players uh, laying it out there each and every week. I can't tell you how much I respect and appreciate what each and every player, not only for the Colts, but the NFL do uh, and, and what they, they put on the line each and every week. But it was an absolute blessing. Uh, I, I look fondly upon it wish we would have done better but uh ultimately that that is where it is and so uh, i want to wish coach Steichen the best of luck i'm still a huge colt fan and pulling for you guys looking forward to uh, hoisting some lombardi trophies and excited for your opportunity so uh for everybody out there including the however many thousand that signed the petition which may have included my wife and son not exactly sure but in in all honesty i'm so grateful for uh, colts nation and who you are uh, to represent present the horseshoe it meant the world to me and uh again coach dyken best of luck to you and your family in indianapolis is an incredible town best fans in the world man you're gonna get the greatest support and uh, look forward to watching your success and the rest of the men in that locker room and the coaching staff that you have with you so to all coach Na- colts nation appreciate you guys love you guys and uh see you soon that was jeff saturday earlier today handling that exactly how you would expect him to handle that It'd be tough for me. It'd be tough for me to just say no harm, no foul on that with the petition. It's one thing to get gauged on your results, right? The petition thing was stupid. But that's how you handle it. I know they're going to be jackasses. Oh, it's so fake. That's just how he is. Well, you just look in the mirror and you're going to see a jackass. That's how it is. That's exactly how you would see or figure that he would handle that. So everybody's going to be happy now, right? Everybody's happy that you got somebody different than Jeff Saturday. And you got an offensive, a young offensive mind and Shane Steichen, and we'll see where it goes. But again, it goes nowhere unless you get the player personnel angle figured out completely. That goes at the doorstep of the general manager's office right there. 
in again, in conjunction with the head coach, more so than it ever has been, because there is no reason, zero reason at the age of 37, first gig offensive guy. I, I hesitate to say offensive guru because, hell, I don't know. But when you're so angled offensively and you saw how successful he was as the OC in Philadelphia and you see the personnel that surrounded him, that's a slap in the face right there, right? Doesn't that say, hey, we got to get better here. That's the category in which you start to get better. Of course, after you figure out who's going to be your future quarterback. But there's no more screwing around with, well, I address this, and you guys talk too much about wide receivers and skill position guys. Uh-uh. No more. You saw exactly how he was successful in Philadelphia, what surrounded him with his level of success in Philadelphia. You bring him here for that, you got to go out there and find guys that are going to help him do that. Not suggesting they don't have good players to help him right now, but you have to have more good players. Keep in mind what Philadelphia felt was necessary for them to take that ultimate step to get to the Super Bowl. Back during the draft. Yeah, realizing that you need somebody like A.J. Brown. Realizing that A.J. Brown is going to get paid a lot of money. You realize all that and you still go out and make a trade. And then on the other hand, think about what Mike Vrabel feels about losing a guy of that caliber right now. Understand that and then move forward. That's exactly what you have to do. But back to Jeff Saturday, you could not have handled that any better. I think most of us, too, most of us would have been bent out of shape. Think about all the losing and how that would weigh on you anyway. And then you got to put up with that. Uh, Paul and Andy says, props to Saturday. I would go out like Scarface and half-baked. <laughs> there's no way, there's zero way I could handle that. None. I know that everybody's been out of shape. I know everybody is disappointed in that. You just, again, that was a high level of jackassery right there. Jamie, it doesn't matter whether the Colts win an intro press conference, win free agency, or the draft. What matters is that they win during an 18-week regular season in the postseason. However, however, Chris, take out the press conference reference there, but free agency and the draft is what puts you in position to win during a regular season of the postseason. While you're right, that puts you in that position neglecting that or simply swinging and missing in those two categories is what has you talking about how you need to change up a little bit or has you talking about how you failed or has people talking about why they want to move on a different direction and why people talk about the owner is meddling too much. That's what that brings to the table. I completely agree. I, that's why I, I don't care about the press conference, and I know what you're getting at. I don't care if he cried or laughed. I don't care what happened. What I want to know is the reason why you bring this guy in is because you believe, especially in his angle offensively. 
And when he talked about everybody's got to be working together, what is it when Brad Stevens says that everybody's, oh, wait a minute, Brad Stevens says, and I understand why, his days at Butler, everybody's got to be pushing in the, the same direction on this. No doubt. No doubt. Just didn't always seem like. You seem like you get the owner saying something, and then Chris Ballard didn't like what he wasn't going to say it. But clearly didn't like what the owner said. It's just all this separation, all this splintering with the decision makers. That can no longer be the case. It's from Andy JMV. In other news, the Colts hire Nicholas Cage. I'll be honest with you. I said this to my friend Greg a little bit earlier today. I think what would uh, what would Bowen say? Shane Shane Steichen has. Kevin Bowen looking vibes going at him here. Is that Kevin Bowen or Shane Steichen? What do you think? Give me a Bowen and a Steichen picture side by side here. I think we can I think we can assume a little bit right that there's a, a bit of a lookalike going on there. Not completely. That's the first thing I thought of when I saw that dude at that press conference. <laughs> Looked like Kevin Bowen. One half of our morning show right here on The Fan. Yeah, I wouldn't go with Nicolas Cage. I think that's Kevin Bowen. I think he looks a bit like Nick Foles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nick Foles. I can see the Nick Foles in there, too. Gotcha. <laughs> Does Steichen drive a Volvo? Does uh, does Bowen drive a Volvo? I, I don't have know. No idea. I didn't know that. Somebody give me a side by side. The similarities, I think, are striking. Sean is at two three nine ten seventy. Sean, what's up? Well, man, I love Indiana. I don't think I'd want to live anyplace else. But man, we we've got some of the most ignorant fans. <laughs> About all sports. I mean, when it comes to Indiana, when it comes to Purdue, I mean, when it comes to the Pacers, it just seems like our our ignorant fans are the loudest out of all of us. And this is an awesome place to live and to be a fan, but it's always those few that make us look bad. Just Saturday, my God, he brought a Super Bowl. He was one of the guys that brought a Super Bowl to the state of Indiana. I'm forever in his debt. I can't even believe people would... I don't know what they was expecting him to do. Yeah, I listen, I, I, like Sean, I, it was a high level of jackassery. Now, I, I tend to try to think each side out here, and I I do kind of get while people just felt enough was enough, and I think it was a high level of frustration, but I would agree with you. I mean, Jeff Saturday was a part of what was a golden era around here with a Super Bowl title, and you never look at that lightly, and that petition was just beyond stupid. It just was. I know, I know. And they probably feel like justice was served. They got what they wanted. Um, but to me, I'm, I am I like Jeff Saturday a great deal. Like, I wasn't in on him as the next head coach either. But I was not going to push some sort of petition because you didn't want him like that. That, to me, was ridiculous and always will be. Well, I think a lot of those fans, to be honest, don't know what it – they must not have been fans before the Manning era because – for us to win one or two games meant the world to me, and it just—I don't know. I just—I don't know. 
just no, no. I mean, yeah, it, that that was that was uh, that was bad. It was bad, and the lighthearted way that he addressed that in that video. And see, what else is bad is everybody, they're going to have people saying, and I see it right now, well, he was just being fake. I mean, he's a guy that's going to, you know, grin blank you or whatever. And that's how you want your guy to respond. You want him to respond like that. If you're a fan, you want him to respond. That was perfect. That was a perfect nearly two minutes of video given the circumstances from Jeff Saturday. That's the only way you can look at it. If you look at it another way, then you probably need to look in the mirror because you're the jackass. That's it. Well, the guy, in the, the guy in the basement in his underwear that made the petition, if he thinks Jeff Saturday was fake, that's the that man is the farthest from fake that I've, I mean, that I've ever seen. So I'll let you go. It, that just that just got irritated me, man. Sean, thank you. Ignorant. <laughs> that reminded me of the Andy Griffith episode where Andy is trying to teach Ernest T. Bass, trying to educate him. Uh, you're not dumb, Ernest T. You're just ignorant. Oh, you're just being nice. That's outstanding. Hey, JMV, honestly, this team is probably two or three years away from actually being anything other than a borderline playoff team. I just think that they will be stuck in the mud as long as Ballard is the employed general manager. And while it is going to take a bit, you have to see signs and you have to start to see consistent signs. Because I will say this, there's a not a, there's not a lot of patience working around here right now. And I don't blame you. There's not a lot of patience. And hopefully that works out. But this is something where you're going to be required to have a certain level of patience. And I sit here right now and kind of wonder how many of you out there actually have that. Tony Payne writes this. Hey, JMV, don't you think Jim is smarter than to give up what plans are in the draft? That might have been a great move. Um, I... I just think that he's just blurting it out. I don't like. I don't think that there was any tactical motivation, Tony, working at all. I just think he blurted that out. I think he just blurted that out regarding the reference to the Alabama quarterback. I mean, either way, either well, yeah. Tactically, I'm going to see if I can throw them off the scent. Or tactically, I'm going to throw this out there to keep him guessing. I don't think it was either. I just think he blurted that out. Quick break. Tim on the other side. Greg Rakestraw on the 5 o'clock hour. Alex Golden is setting the pace. Going to join us next. Tomorrow's show, Rick Venturi and the Colts' new coach, Shane Steichen, coming up on tomorrow's show. 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Back with you next. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. It takes him a second to get on the stool because he's under 5 feet tall. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Happy Valentine's Day, everybody. Crank that up really quick. I don't think that's loud enough for everybody. 
Keith Sweat will be a part of the Legacy Tour. Coming up in late March, Cambridge Fieldhouse. Keith Sweat, new addition guy. This will have the lady swooning right there. On this Valentine's Day, Keith Sweat brings us back in. Zach Kiefer a little bit earlier, podcast 1075thefan.com. Shane Steichen, the new head coach, he joins us on tomorrow's show, as does Rick Venturi. We'll log in some of your calls at 239-1070 coming up in just a second. A shout-out to the IU women's team thoroughly handling Ohio State on the road last night, if you watch that. Impressive, to say the least. Inside the lounge via YouTube Live, get that thing cranking in there right now. If you don't know what that is, it is audio, meaning you can listen to the show. You can also watch it, thus you can see me sitting here in my Aloha Mr. Hand shirt with my chiseled features looking spectacularly on this Valentine's Day 2023. And you can also participate, which may be the best part. So if you don't like, for example, something that Sean Rogers has to say, or if you if you want to go in there and defend my honor, somebody is saying something about me, somebody is talking junk about me, and you feel compelled to go in there and defend my honor. It's a lounge via YouTube Live, the ride with JMV. Go in there and get you some. Andy Moore, Automotive Group Potline, another loss for the Pacers last night at home against the Utah Jazz from setting the pace. Alex Golden joins us. I'm assuming that this is more like it now, meaning this is more like what we thought we were going to see at the beginning of the season? Yeah, no, I, I think competitive, competitive losses are going to be what you should be expecting moving forward. Uh, I think Kevin Pritchard kind of tipped his hand there a little bit in his press conference saying that they don't want to be competing for the 8th, ninth, or 10th seed. So what other options do you have with the record you have now? It's more than likely uh, trying to position yourself for the best draft pick that you can get. All right. What is, um, what is the reason? What is the true reason? And, you know, obviously, things were going good, and then Tyrese Halliburton gets rolled over on, and he missed about a month. Uh, but since he's come back, there hasn't been a great deal of change in their losing ways. What's been the biggest reason? Was it the schedule prior where they got some wins? Is it the schedule now that is much tougher? Where do you hard target, pinpoint the reason why there is such a, a robust level of losing, even with the return of Tyrese Halliburton? I mean, I think you can, I think you can look at the schedule and maybe point to that. I mean, teams are starting to figure out who they are by this point. Maybe early on they caught some teams by surprise, and, and, and now they're pretty well scouted. They know how to guard the Pacers effectively. So, you know, I think Halliburton's injury obviously kind of just unfortunately took away some of that good vibe that they had in December. And, you know, losing is contagious just like winning is contagious. I think when you go down a stretch of a lot of, you know, tough losses or even some bad losses, you know, you kind of start losing that belief in yourself and your belief as a team that you can go somewhere. So, personally for me, I just think when Halliburton came back, yes, it was exciting. Lost a very close game. And there's been some games where they've looked pretty good and, and they've been able to be competitive but not pull out the win. I think X's and O's lines defensively, they just got to get better. Continuing to get beat on the on the glass has been a huge thing. And, you know, their, their schedule hasn't been easy. They've been playing teams that are in the playoff on, on, on both sides of things. So, you know, it's it's just one of those things where the schedule's gotten tougher. Yes, it's part of it, but I think they just lost some of that 
that good vibe feeling that they had when they were winning all these games. And I just feel like losing is contagious. And I think that's why you've heard Pritchard talk about it. And I even think Carlisle said it. You don't like losing five to seven games in a row because that just really takes down all that positivity that you've had around yourself. So that, that to me is a big thing. Why I just think little things they could do to, to get themselves back into the winning column, probably in some of these closer games, but you know, they just maybe just aren't as the Tyree said last night, paying enough to the details there. So Alex Golden setting the pace with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Pacers will close it out. Final game before the All-Star weekend is coming up tomorrow against the Chicago Bulls. Uh, oddly enough, one of the teams they've actually beaten here in the, in the past month and a half or so. Um, Ten minutes for George Hill last night. We know George Hill was a part of that draft day last week. I should say the trade day deadline last week uh, when he came over from Milwaukee. Uh, Jordan Nawara was as well. Um, so we know that Nawara played last night. I want to get your thoughts on that. But the ten minutes that George Hill gets, is that as detrimental as many people would suggest to me via Twitter that it was last night in your eyes? I think for a one-game sample size, it's not the end of the world. It is a bit odd to see him getting 10 minutes and Chris Duarte being taken out of the rotation. I think that kind of caught me by surprise when I was watching the game. You know, George Hill did say that he still feels like he has something left in the tank and doesn't want to just ride the bench the rest of his career. So, you know, with knowing that, he also decided he didn't want to be waived either. So, to me, I think Rick Carlisle uh, in the press game or in the post-game press conference, he said. I don't know how many minutes he's going to play, but when he played the 10 minutes that he did, he showed he's still capable. So really to me, I thought the first thing I thought was, I think they're playing him out there with Nawara because they have chemistry and they've played together in Milwaukee. And maybe that would set up Nawara to get some more comfortability out there on the floor. He did the same thing last year when they acquired Tyrese, they played Buddy and Tristan all together at the same time because he knew that they had chemistry from their days in Sacramento. So I think, more so Carlisle was just trying to get the world's feet wet a little bit by playing Hill and making it a little bit easier for him. And knowing he's a guy that looks for a shot and Duarte is kind of a similar guy and looking for his own shot, maybe they thought having another guy that can set up people and be more of a facilitator and, and Hill out there made more sense. So I would assume this is not the long-term plan for, for Carlisle's rotations, but we also know that Rick does have a tendency to play veterans uh, quite a few minutes. Again, Alex Golden setting the pace is with us. All right, so you mentioned Duarte's on ice. Jalen Smith has been on ice for a while. Where are we going directionally with these two guys? That's a great question. I mean, the Jalen Smith thing is just wild to me because you think about it back in June or July, whenever they signed him, I think it was July. You know, they bring out the special Pacers pen for him and you know, Kevin Pritchard's getting all excited. They signed the contract in front of everybody. First time ever doing that. And they went above and beyond and made him the starter uh, on the opening, uh, on the press conference there for his, uh, you know, re-signing with the Pacers. And then all of a sudden, he's not even in the rotation. So I think that Jalen's not playing well, though. I'll be honest with you. Jalen struggled a lot this year. Now he's basically in the same spot he was when he was with Phoenix. But, you know, Phoenix at least had the excuse that they were trying to contend for a championship. So, I get the whole thing with Daniel Tice, you know, veteran guys, clearly the second best around this team in terms of the little things that he does and just being poised and that kind of thing. But I think they got to see what they have with Jalen, maybe put him and Isaiah together, just kind of get him back out there, 
see if he's learned something from the benching. He's got to earn his minutes. And with Duarte, he's been in and out of the rotation. Um, there's been a couple of DNP coaches' decisions for him. I, I think they have an idea of who he is, so they don't really need to see him all the time. And maybe that's why they wanted to see what George looked like maybe at this point in his career. But, you know, I think Duarte, there could still be a, a, a spot for him moving forward. But with the draft coming up and with the players they already have at the guard position, I just feel like uh, there's a reason why Duarte was being shot by the trade deadline and around that time. So wouldn't wouldn't surprise me if either of these guys get moved in the off season, but I don't think the paces are any rush right now. The only reason I can see them being in a rush to do it is if behind closed doors, those guys asked to be moved on to a better opportunity for them. But, you know, I think they just got to earn their minutes too, play more consistently. I think Rick Carlisle will give them that opportunity. But at the same time, uh, like I said, Rick loves playing veterans because I think it just keeps everything well orchestrated with veterans knowing what to do instead of a lot of mistakes with young guys. But some all-star break after that, I think you might see them get more minutes. Hey, Alex, do you think that they will for the remainder of the year now, You know, given the contract extension and the type of year that he is having, do you think that they will handle Miles and his playing time more delicately than we have seen? I, I, I don't know if last night was an indicator of it, but last night did get me thinking a little bit more. Is he not in a glass case by any stretch of the imagination, but certainly handled a little more carefully as we move forward? Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised by that. I think – I don't know if Miles would be opposed to maybe taking a night off every once in a while just to rest, um, to not overdo it, because we know that that's been something that's happened to him before. Like you said, just random injuries, little things nagging. Just just play it extra cautious, knowing that the end game is not to probably get into the plan, even though Pritchard did so that he wants him to be competitive and win every game. I don't think you can come out and say you want to lose, but um, that, that to me is how I read that one. But with Miles Turner, I, I do believe that it's going to be up to Miles, and I, I think they did the same thing last year with Brogdon. You know, Brogdon had a lot of lingering injuries, that kind of thing. He was able to play through some of them, but a lot of times, I think Jay Michael told this uh, told me this on the podcast that Miles and Malcolm were two guys that would not play unless they were 100%. And to me, that was kind of interesting because – you usually don't share that information, and Miles kind of shared it when he was talking to, to Jay a couple of years ago. And so he was like, that's kind of interesting. So I think Miles will probably be cautious with him like they were with and let him decide if there's, you know, a game maybe he's not feeling good if he wants to take it off. But with so many centers, you have to wonder, Daniel, Daniel Tice will be playing in back-to-backs is what I would assume. So I think Miles' minutes will probably go down a little bit, but I also think there's a good chance you see Tice's minutes eventually kind of evaporate towards the last month and a half of the of the year, the little bit of April and the last part of March, and, and really let Isaiah and Jalen show what they can do with, you know, not being on such a tight of a leash. You think that they were tight in on any any bigger names at the trade deadline last week? Yeah, I mean, Pritchard came out and said that they made some offers, and Zach Lowe reported on his podcast that he knows the Pacers offered three first-round picks and the Rockets' second-round pick for OG and Anobi. So I do believe that they made calls to be aggressive. And I think the Raptors were more wait-and-see mode, and they were kind of trying to see and gauge the market for what their players could get them. I, I don't really think Toronto is ever in sell mode like people said they were because Masai Ujiri is pretty conservative with what he does. But I think this is a good indication of what could happen in the future, maybe the offseason with them having close to – 25 to $35 million of cap space. So 
that that makes me a little bit, you know, excited for what the Pacers could do just because they were aggressive and going after at least what we know from Zach Lowe, OG, and Anobi. Are they more attractive, I, I guess, as attractive – you know, normally we say nobody wants to come here except for us. We live here, whatever. But um, yeah. with with cap space and with the direction they're going in the future, do you think that that makes this destination for a player any more attractive than we have seen in re- recent history? Yeah, I think so. I think Tyrese Halliburton is a very well liked guy around the league, and that Tyrese has openly said is look to get guys open shots. He tries to get guys going, and if he feels like they haven't been getting shots, to be open with him and tell him and stuff like that. So there's a reason DeAndre Ayton was interested in coming here. It didn't just have to do with the the max contract, even though the Suns matched it within like two seconds. I I think he still had to be okay with the fact that if they don't match this, I'm going to be here in Indiana, and I think he was. So, you know, everything I've heard, it was DeAndre wanted to be here, and I thought that was pretty telling of, you know, a free agent like that, a first round, first overall pick in the draft, wanting to be here. I think you're going to see more people get excited to come play with Tyrese now. That doesn't always mean it's going to be through the free agent market. I think with your cap space, though, JMV, this is where they can be more effective in taking on, uh, you know, a, a lopsided trade. Like we saw them use their cap space in this minor deal. They can use that cap space and try to try to finagle a way to uh, land a bigger talent. And I think that would be smart them moving forward. I don't know what players they could or, or will be available, but you know, just having all your picks in your back pocket with salaries to go out and some young players, I think that the Pacers are in decent shape to, to make a run for a player like that. Do you think they're done shopping Miles? That's a great question. Uh, it depends on who you ask. <laughs> uh, to be honest with you, I mean, we, we've talked to some people and on our podcast and They've been pretty adamant that, you know, I think Miles is here to stay, and Kevin Pritchard's been blowing about him, how proud he is of him and stuff like that. So I would be – I don't think Miles gets moved in the offseason, but I do think that the reason the deal was a little bit shorter was because, A, the unique situation they were in, and, B, um, Miles is on contract here, and they wanted to see if this was really who Miles is moving forward. Is, is Miles going to be this consistent player that he has been – every single night in a contract year, or is it just like a, you know, a fluke of a season, so to say, to try to get himself paid? Is he going to get comfortable getting paid? I, I don't really think that's the case with Miles, but I definitely believe that there is a, a good opportunity for Miles here with this team, and I think taking the team-friendly discount was beneficial for him. And I'm I'm expecting them to just keep him until all of next season. If they trade him, I'd be pretty surprised, but nothing was surprising with the Pacers because – it just made him a more valuable trade asset if they do want to move him. Alice Golden is setting the pace. What you got here new? We had Andrew Nimhart on last week. That uh, podcast is available. If you want audio version, you can listen to it on the podcast app, or you can go watch it on, on YouTube as well. We have that on YouTube with our setting the pace channel there. But other than that, you know, it's been kind of hard to find positive narratives uh, when they've lost 16 of 18 games. So we're just trying to, gear up for the all-star break and you know get ready for what's ahead for the rest of the year but i think uh the all-star break's gonna be really fun got a lot of involvement so we'll be covering that on the podcast as well alex golden setting the pace talking pacers on the handy Moore automotive group hotline appreciate you brother always a pleasure absolutely man thank you so much alex golden with us right there 
Pacers Bulls before the All-Star break coming up tomorrow night. How about you, Wendy? Paul Casaro, Mike Burris and company. Winners of 16 consecutive. They're up to number six right now in the D2 rankings. 30th week in program history that the Hounds have been in the top 10. Number six in riding a 16-game win streak. Casaro, Burris, and company down there on the south side. That's nice. Check him out. Really nice. All right, quick break. We'll come back. Here's what I got for you. Plenty of time to talk at 239-1070 until the top of the hour. And then after the top of the hour, Greg Rakestraw is going to join us at 530. Shane Steichen is the new head coach of the Colts. He joins us on this show tomorrow. Rick Venturi is back, and Rick joins us on this show coming up tomorrow. Meantime, you and I on the phones, you and I inside the lounge via YouTube Live, the stream, the app, HD Radio, and more, 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. Hey, Judge, double enough and he makes it. 80,000. What's that, Judge? You're on, you're on. Well, we're waiting. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. 90 slow jams in for this Valentine's Day 2023. <laughs> Boys to men. JMV, is it me or that presser was Steichen? Just didn't really impress me that much. He seemed just so smug. I'll give him the benefit of the doubt in case I'm wrong, but I didn't hear much of a plan or perspective of the way that he wants to coach, except he uh, won't or he is going to call the offensive plays. I didn't catch a smugness there at all. I don't know how it's going to work out. And I've said this I have said until they prove it works you're going to be very apprehensive to believe that it's going to work. And I think all this plays a role. But I didn't get the smug portion of it. I thought somebody that was very appreciative, and he, he stated that with those that he had worked with, coached with, coached up, family, all that. But the uh, smugness of it, I didn't get. And I don't know how much of a plan it... it like, just from me alone, I'll give you one thing that struck me. The one thing that struck me is that he was conveying to us, which clearly he has to them, that skill position players are at the highest level of importance. And that's something that's most important to me. And I've said this before, the, the change or the adjustment here in philosophy for Chris Ballard and how he puts together a team, that is what is most important to me right now. Now, further down the road, who you get to throw the football is of the utmost, the stratospheric level of importance. But to me, what stood out, and I asked Zach Kiefer that early in the show, when he went over 
all those players that, that I'm sure that, you know, obviously he wanted to thank with a high level of sincerity for helping him along the way. But so many of those players that he named were just high-level, high-caliber, skill position guys. And then you saw the way that Philly got to the Super Bowl. We've all been looking for, if not a change, certainly an adjustment in philosophy on how this team here has been put together. It has to now with that hire. That's the only reason you hire him is because of that, because of that offense. And you know right now, you look in the mirror, and you know right now you don't have it. So smugness, no. But there were a couple of things that I did get out of it that were kind of interesting. All right, Jerome is at 239-1070. Jerome, welcome to the show. Hi, my friend. How you doing today? Great, Jerome. What's up? Hey, my problem with the Pacers right now, and uh, and I'm a, I'm a Carlisle supporter, and I want to keep Tyrese Halliburton here. But the problem I'm worried about is he's going to get the Paul George, Victor Oladipo-itis, and I honestly don't blame him. That guy is going to be an all-star this year. He's his third year in the league. You cannot surround this guy with mediocrity, and you can't – the draft picks. You should have got rid of all the draft picks. I'm just going to be honest with you. If you're Tyrese Halliburton, there's nobody we can draft between 10 and 20 that's going to make a difference. Do you really want to wait another year – for a young person to develop. We got lucky with Matherin this year and Nimhart. But let me ask you a question question regarding Kevin Pritchard. Goga, Holiday, Duarte, T.J. Lee. You could take all four of those draft picks and take the three draft picks we got this year and put them together and nobody would give you a good player for them. My problem with that is I wasn't sold on OG Ananobi. I would have liked to have gotten him. But my question is, at the trade deadline, there's nobody we're going to be able to draft that would have been better than Rory Hachimura or Jared Vanderbilt. And you could have got them for second-round picks. That's one of my, my bigger problems. My other problem with uh, Carlisle is he's doing what he did in Detroit with Tayshaun Prince. He has a way where he takes a young player, he starts them, he breaks them down, he tries to build them back up. He did that here with Tinsley when he was first here and it kind of backfired. There is no way that you can tell me, and his confidence is pretty much gone, that, that uh, Jalen Smith is not better than Daniel Tice. Daniel Thice is a 6'8", undersized, unathletic center. He's getting all his playing time. I don't have a problem with George Hill playing because the artist we know, formerly known as Prince, Andrew Nimhart, can't dribble the ball without turning it over under pressure. But the main thing is the two young bigs need to be playing now. We're still not out of the playoff, playoff race in terms of the playing game, even if we don't make it. Those guys need experience. You need to play those guys because I don't want to hear four years from now that Tyrese Halliburton's ready to go. I, I will. I will tell you this, Jerome. I'm going to uh, agree and disagree. And you can listen. I, I got to run here. I'm going to tell you this. I do agree with you as far as established players. I mean, everybody talks about draft pick this and draft pick that, and yeah, draft pick my nose. I would rather see them get players that have already formed an establishment for themselves in the NBA. I would rather see that then wait around on draft picks. And I know it's all a part of having assets or whatever, but I I would rather see them add through guys that have been in it so far. The thing with Halliburton that's interesting is that he, he comes from a small town in Wisconsin, got family in Kokomo, small town. He may be more comfortable in his own skin here 
You don't know what the future holds. But right now, I would suggest he'd be more comfortable in his own skin being here than he would trying to bolt for, you know, the the great, eh, I've got to get to L.A. or I've got to get to Miami and I've got a singing career. You know, I've got us all this other stuff. We All this can be had right here if you're a good enough player. I, I don't know if we're going to have to worry about that with Halliburton. Just a thought. That's my thought sitting here right now. Maybe that changes, but I don't I don't consider that a worry with Halliburton. Quick win, we'll come back. I got plenty of time. Actually, 30 minutes before Greg Rakestraw joins of nothing but phone calls. Shane Steichen's going to join us on tomorrow's show. He's the new head coach of the Colts. We'll discuss that and more. Marcellus leads on the other side. 93.5107.5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. Can I talk to Dana? There is no Dana, only Zool. What a lovely singing voice you must have. Now, I'm going to count to three, Zooli, and if I don't get to talk to Dana, there's going to be some real trouble in this apartment, I think. 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan. Zach Kiefer a little bit earlier. Also, Alex Golden was here. Valentine's afternoon, 2023. We celebrate with some slow gems. Hello, Cool J and I need love. James is there. I'm John. Thank you for joining us. Greg Rakestraw coming up at the bottom of the hour. He is going to join us as he normally does. Tomorrow's show, Rick Venturi's return. Three times a year, I think Rick comes on here, which is always awesome. Prior to the draft, uh, Rick comes on here prior to the start of the season and then after the season. Now because they made this coaching change or had this long-term coaching search, we've delayed Rick until tomorrow. So Rick Venturi tomorrow and Shane Steichen, the new head coach of the Colts, also coming up on tomorrow's show. Met with the media. His introductory press conference was earlier today. We gave you some thoughts on that. Some of the things that, you know, maybe were real, maybe not so much. Very emotional. Before I get to the calls here, James, go ahead and play the closest to the start of that, if you will, maybe to get people that did not hear it earlier today, a shot of the emotion in which he was showing, I don't know if it's at the very start, but obviously, you know, mentioning and thanking all those in his life, being Shane Steichen, to help him get to where he is, there was a great deal of emotion in his voice. What's that? I need to find it again. (laughs) Okay, I'm sorry. Hey, I set that up like hell right there, too. Great. Find the emotional part of it, and we'll go with there. Next time, you just play whatever, and I can come out sounding like the liar right here. Tell me when you're ready. Then I'll be ready. I'll be sitting right here because I got to get the calls here. All right, to hell with it. We're going to Marcellus at 239-1070. I'm not going to play it then, Marcellus. What the hell? I was going to go with some emotion, but whatever. <laughs> go ahead. I'm about, to, I'm about to get emotional for you, man. I know. I was I was going to get emotional and then lead you into that emotion. And then it went on like a lead balloon right there. Go ahead. Uh, hey, man. Yeah. Um, I, I'm like this. You know, uh, well, congratulations to the new coach. 
but I'm just feeling a sense of deja vu, man. This just seems like uh, we we saw this with Frank Reich, all the ballyhoo about who he worked with, being the quarterback whisperer, being the genius OC. Yeah, he's a younger he's a younger version of the Eagles coordinator that Frank was. Again, another Eagles guy. Um, uh, you know, he he's got this genius about him, and you know we're gonna. Hopefully we won't see Wildcats on the two <laughs> anymore going forward on forty on our own forty, but we'll, we'll, we'll against Tennessee. But we'll see. Uh, like you said, we don't know anything until they play next year. We're back at that again. Yeah, there's no know. doubt about it. And, and yeah, you know, and I know it, it sucks. I mean that that really does too. And I think if we know Marcellus anything, we know that you're going to have to be patient, and that exactly. sucks even more. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're not going to go in the phone booth and come back out, you know, with a cape on. You know, it's just not going to happen like that. So we better we better strap in and just be ready for, you know, or yeah. just cross our fingers, you know. But having said that, I listened to what you said about Jeff Saturday earlier, man. I couldn't agree more that uh, he was treated really poorly by some of these fans. Uh, I mean, they, I don't think we understand what we what a debt, debt of gratitude we owe this guy and that team that he was on. And 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 truth be known, I think. And correct me if I'm wrong, uh, Jay. But I, heard, you know, we went in when we went in at the half at that in that championship game against the Patriots at our own house. Uh, we were down, and what I heard was that Jeff Saturday was the guy that went in the locker room and turned tables over. And really got in folks' faces, and it changed the whole complexion. I might be wrong, but I've heard that more than once. Well, and, um, and the thing that I heard, and I've, I've talked about this too, Marcellus, before, is he was not only here to to be the coach and somebody that Jim Mercy trusted and liked, but he was also there to provide intel about what was going on in that locker room, and uh, yeah, some of which was was not good. And people will tell yeah. you, you know, being you know, late and lackadaisical regarding road meetings. I think uh, certainly one example reportedly was, you know, in Minneapolis before that, that yeah. Saturday game with the Vikings. So he was yeah. there yeah. for intel as far as, as that was concerned, as well as being the head coach at the time. Well, he handled it with a lot of class, man. And uh, if he doesn't have the experience of a head coach, he definitely has the poise of one. Hey, but one one last thing, man. I'm some I'm semi redempted. I've redeemed myself a little bit. Yesterday, you got me on the Project UFO. Right. Okay. I got you. <laughs> the show the show was actually called UFO. That's it. Not Project. It was made back in '69. Oh, okay. Yeah, I got you. That was indeed so a you're British th- made. Thinking show. of a different I one. I I gave you the like one season NBC version right there. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, so I, there you go. Yeah, I understand. Hey, by the way, when Chris Ballard said, I don't know if you heard this, in in terms of how he views Shane Steichen, and he said, quote, we see the game the same way. Oh, did that no. make you feel good, or did that make you feel bad? Oh, man, here we go, man. Yeah. Strap in, guys. Just strap uh, in. I'm wondering how that made you feel right there. So It's, it was Samuel, it's Samuel Jackson said, Hold on to your butt. <laughs> <laughs> Marcellus, appreciate you, man. All right. Take it easy. That's a Marcellus right there. That's interesting. We see the game the same way. You got it ready over there now? Oh, well, look. 
I mentioned this, and I don't want to leave it behind. I'll get back to the calls here. But for those that missed it a little bit earlier, the Shane Steichen presser, there was a lot of early emotion when he was thanking all those in and around his life as today he was named the next head coach of the Colts. Thank you to the players I've had the privilege to be around and coach. Thank you to Philip Rivers. I can't say enough about how much you've had impact on me as a coach. So many great memories together and couldn't be more thankful for our friendship. Thank you to Antonio Gates, Keenan Allen, Justin Herbert, and most recently, thank you to A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, Quez Watkins, Zach Paschal, Dallas Goddard, Jack Stoll, Grant Calcaterra, Miles Sanders, Boston Scott, Kenny Gainwell, Jordan Mulata, Landon Dickerson, Jason Kelsey, Isaac Suamala, Lane Johnson, Ian Book, Gardner Minshew, and last but not least, Jalen Hurts. There you go. That's, that is a lot of thinking of skill position players, which I dig. And I don't know if it was meant that way. I'm sure it wasn't. But I view it as, all right, if we're going to be good offensively and you're going to get out of me what you expect to get out of me, better skilled position players. You heard it right there. Shane Steichen joins us on the show tomorrow. David's up next at 239-1070. David, welcome to the show. Hi, JMB. Thank you for having me on. I had, a, I had a couple of questions for you. I saw a tweet by Stephen Holder earlier that said, uh, what separated Steichen from everybody else is that he aced the interviews and aligned with their their goals. And um, for listening to the show and all the podcasts the past month and a half, I was just wondering, did Ursay finally align with Ballard or did Ballard finally align with Ursay? Like, what happened there? Because it seemed like there was a disconnect because Ursay still pushed for Saturday to be a finalist. I just wanted to hear your take there on was, that. There was – well, hold on a second, David. There was a report on Saturday. I think it was Dan Graziano of ESPN had mentioned that Ursay was going to leave that final decision up to Chris Ballard. Okay. So, okay. I, I mean, I, whether or not I haven't heard anybody else say that or report that other than, than Graziano on ESPN. So, you know, maybe it was ultimately – a Chris Ballard choice right here. But that was what was reported on Saturday. Sounds good. It was just super confusing because Saturday was still a finalist. It just seemed like the, the waters were still a little bit muddy. And then my final question was, I saw a report from ESPN Zach, Zach Lowe that we had presumably offered Toronto four picks for OG and Anobi. Do you yeah. believe in that or do you think that that's just – Oh no, I believe uh, it. I believe in it. I think it's, it's I want to say that they went hard. I, I think they did. I, I do. And that's I, I don't mind that at all. I, I would rather them get an established player, especially somebody like that, and certainly what they need, but I would rather see that than sitting around and worrying about who they're gonna end up drafting someplace on the teens. You know what I mean? Yeah, I got you. And I think um this draft in June will be very interesting how they use those picks to possibly go after him again or another player. Agreed. Agreed. David, anything else? No, all good. Thank you. You got it, David. Thank you. Yeah, I do. I believe that. I believe they went hard. As hard as they could without actually doing something. At that level. Do I believe that Jim Irsay turned over the final decision-making power to Chris Ballard? Not entirely, because it is Jim Irsay. But 
Jim Irsay going with the call of Chris Ballard, agreeing with it, yes. Like completely turning over the decision without any interjection there at the end to Chris Ballard, no. But coming to an agreement with Chris Ballard about the direction of this team coaching-wise, yes, I do believe that. And by the way, Shane Steichen, who joins us on the show tomorrow, I think Kevin Bowen actually asked him this. He will handle the play-calling duties as of right now. And again, if you remember first year, Nick Sirianni did too, and then kind of got overwhelmed by it and turned it over to Shane Steichen, and things worked out a lot better after that. Could be a similar situation coming up. Who knows? But at least answering the question today, Shane Steichen will handle the play-calling duties as of next year. All right, 239-1070. D is up next. Hello, D. Hello, Brother Jay. How are you doing, sir? Doing fine, brother. Um, Brother, just wanted to call and um, just had a question about um, the Colts. Yes. Um, uh, Certainly a great hire. Um with Steichen. Um, so, Brother Jay, what is going to happen with uh, Matt Ryan? And uh, are they are they still going to keep him on the payroll? Or, um, um, uh, you know, what yeah, I can't. Im- I can't imagine. I think they bring in another veteran quarterback and and uh, eat whatever is remaining with Matt Ryan. Let him go, whatever. But yes, I can't see Matt Ryan being here. Yeah, that's going to be interesting. But, uh, hey, always always enjoyed listening to you, brother. You're the best in the business. Man, D, that is very nice of you to say. Thank you very much. i got to put you on hold and bring you on the show more often. Make a guy feel good. Even on Valentine's Day. It's from Charles Bryan. Hey, JMV, as long as Halliburton does not start calling himself feathery, the Pacers should be in good shape. I, listen, I don't know. If my thought on Halliburton will be accurate, because it is tough to predict the future, and we did see what happened with Paul George, and we saw what happened with Victor Oladipo, and maybe that's just more hope that things won't go that direction with Tyrese Halliburton, but he he certainly is a smaller town dude. Now, if you want to make an argument or have a debate with me, you would say, well, I mean, Oladipo, you know, collegiately was a star at IU in Bloomington. I mean, he was, for lack of a better description, you know, it wasn't his hometown, but that's where he started, IU. I mean, he already had a nice little run going in terms of a fan base here once he got here. But maybe there is something to be said about Halliburton, small town growing up, goes to school at Iowa State in Ames, small town. Um, he, he seems to fit this place well, and hopefully that's going to be the case. I don't think Pacer fans could take something like that again. I don't think you could take it. I certainly don't think that, that Kevin Pritchett and Chad Buchanan could take it. He just does not appear to me to be like that. But again, we, we thought differently. I don't know so much about Paul George, but certainly about Victor Oladipo. I mean, you come here and for, you know, your first time, that that first year, just explode 
my city, all that stuff, nobody, I mean nobody in that year could have seen where that relationship was going to go until it did. Nobody saw that coming. Uh, Jay's up next to 239-1070. Hello, Jay. Hey, Jam V. Look here, man. I don't mean to uh, hurt the Indiana Pacers fans' feelings, man. Yep. I mean, man, because I'm a fan myself of the Pacers. But uh, they might as well get used to losing, man, as long as Rick Carlisle is the coach. You know, the writing is on the wall, man. The Pacers going to be losing. They, they, they tease the fans at the beginning of the season. They're going to be losing this year and next year as long as Rick Carlisle is in that coaching seat. Man, they are going to lose, and it wouldn't surprise. What, what's your biggest? Lose. What's your biggest issue right now with Rick Carlisle? I'm not a Rick Carlisle supporter for one, and I think uh, he's one of the reasons why the first time he was here that they didn't, you know, go over there. They, they teased us then, and he's teasing us now, having them guys to win. My issue was Rick Rick, Rick Carlisle, man. He hold back a lot of his young players, and uh, he 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 have a. I don't know if he got a some kind of complex against tall guys, but man, he will not play a big lineup, man. Most of the games they don't lost, man, is because they've been playing small. They're playing the small ball, and you're losing ball games. It's like he's an idiot, and, 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 and he's just doing it on purpose. I, I don't I don't know what in the world has happened to Jalen Smith and you know it, it, Duarte has been a guy in some games you like him some games you don't he's been inconsistent but yeah just both of them and in particular Jalen Smith falling out of any any rotation because I, I would agree with you on this it seemed like that when everything was going well you know Jalen Smith was a integral part of what was was going on and he's I mean, he's absolutely disappeared right now rotationally. And when they had him in the rotation with Miles Turner, they was winning. And they was getting boards, man. It's, they, it's so is it if, if I were to say, is it BS if I were to say that what they're going through right now is more a product of a tougher schedule than it was when they were winning games? Is that fair? No, because a team never uh, a team would never lose their way of, of, of winning as long as they know how to win, as long as their coach is putting them in a position to win. It's like he's done took them out of the position to win. So, no, I, I, I have to disagree with you on that. Okay, and I'm going to say this. Hollerberg is out of here, man, if Rick Carlisle's a coach. That's the bottom line. Yeah, it's uh, – Jay, thank you for the call. I, I just – I – we've been down this path before, I know. I just – I'm not going to take that huge bite right now. The reason why, more so than anything else, is what they're going through right now and losing was what I and basically everybody else expected at the start of the year. We got a reprieve of sorts. They won games. They won games to a clip that was unexpected and surprisingly nice. Sports fans around here were going through the other side of things with the Colts being just a massive disappointment and a blank show to, to boot. I'm not trying to excuse it. I just think that what we have seen recently is more representative of what this team is right now. I just think that the longer the season goes and the more teams see what they're dealing with and you start talking about the advanced scouting and such, 
Their, their defense has just gone completely haywire. They gave up 80 the other night in the first half in Washington. 80. You watched last night. How many off the offensive glass second chance opportunities did they have to bury threes, whether it was Olenek or anybody else? I just think, again, this is more representative of who the Pacers were going to be this year than what we saw in those weeks prior to Halliburton's injury. I think we all kind of got caught up with it a little bit, excited about it. I mean, you're wanting to just, you're wanting to grasp anything where it's winning because you've not had it. You've been disappointed more times than not. I just think this is more about who this team is right now. Now, again, the whole Jalen Smith thing is weird. Duarte's not so weird because they tried to trade him at the trade deadline. There was a lot of chatter about him being on the open market available. The Jalen Smith thing is a little odd. Pelk says, isn't it obvious it's a tank job? I just I have a hard time believing that Halliburton, these guys would, okay, it's a tank job. I think that's easy to say. I think it's much more profoundly difficult to try to execute anything like that. Because you got the same guys essentially playing right now, except for Jalen Smith, who's out of the rotation. But you got the same guys essentially playing right now as you had when you were winning games. It's more about the schedule and about who this team is more than anything else. Uh, Aaron's next to 239-1070. Aaron, hello. Hey, uh, hey, happy Valentine's Day. Right back at you, Aaron. Class of 1983. Hello. Hey, Tim, I want to make a couple of points. First of all, when you've been in mediocrity, as long as the Colts have been, when your next coach hired, it should be a, a splash. And I'm afraid we went for the usual drip drop here in Indianapolis. <laughs> you know, the drip, the drip drop with Shane Steichen. In your opinion, you, you can use I, that. Well, 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 and let me say this: I, I don't the the splash that I had in mind. I don't think wanted to do anything or wanted anything to do with the team. That's my yeah, guess. That's, that's Indianapolis. As far as the pages are concerned. If you don't think Rick Carlisle is the wrong coach, ask Luka Doncic. He cannot relate to young superstars. You're right about that. Yeah, that, that part is accurate. Man, they did and not my, get along, and that life. was that led to an exit right there. And my last point, you was talking about how we are afraid here in Indianapolis yep. if one of the players get too big, they want to leave L.A. I want to make an analogy. You'll see where I'm going with it. Okay. What, what town you say you from? Me? What town? Yeah. Oh, Owensburg, Indiana, population 250, probably less than that now. Now, what are those two, uh, those people when you were a small young man and you wanted to be in radio and they backed you and they got you started and you made a little name for yourself and then you made it to the big city in Indianapolis? Could you imagine them say, John, we want to stay down here with us? Yeah, see, so this, you this is your right. Well, here's, here's the thing, though. That, why should we be against? My mom still lives right. there, though. My mom still lives there. I'm probably still a pretty 
pretty significant part of the fabric there because well, my mom is still there. Tell me this. Would you want a radio station, would you want a radio audience of 4 million or 40 million? No, I know, I know what I know where you're getting at here. Um, using me we as an analogy for this is break. not good because I'm pretty, I'm pretty small town, and I will always be pretty put, small we town. Put, we shouldn't put limitations on these athletes. They do not belong to. No, uh, no, 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 no. Nobody's putting know. limitation on them, Aaron. We, you want this situation to be the limit for the player. You want it to be the ceiling for the player. That's what you have to show that player. It's, it's not about, you know, fretting to lose the player. You want to make this environment the best it can be so you can keep that player. And others like that player want to come I here. I understand that, but sometimes that's just not what they want. No, and, you know, and you're right. There are two examples of it so far. I just when people ask me about Halliburton right now, I can't predict the future and how he's going to be. But it seems like he is pretty comfortable where he is right now. So I, mean, I hope thought. he stay, I hope he stays. But if he sees something bigger for himself, you know, like you did for yourself, I want him to go for it. But like I said, everybody's not Reggie Miller. But congratulations to the new coach. And let's hope that he's not a drip drop. And <laughs> drip, drip drop, Aaron. Thank you. Yeah, it's a bad analogy to use me because I will, I'll probably be living back down where I grew up one of these days again. True story. And I also, I, I love what I do, and I love you as the audience, and I love working here. But I love, I love small town. I love local radio too. I always have, and I always will. I think you know me as this. I, I I don't just disappear when I leave here. I like hang out with all you guys. Always. Because we're all together. I'm just one of you guys. And that's how I feel here. That's how I always felt growing up. And that's what makes me comfortable. I don't want to be uncomfortable. And and having where I grew up and having, you know, you guys out with me. You know, whether I'm playing basketball with you guys or we're out on a Friday at a remote or whatever, man, I, that's that's what makes me comfortable. Uncomfortable would be, and it's a good thing I don't have anywhere near that talent level, uncomfortable would be, for me would be having nine producers tell me what to say on a three-hour show on ESPN Radio. That would be uncomfortable. Now, this is it for me. So, yeah, that was... Not the best analogy from Aaron regarding me, but again, I'm a little bit different, I think, than than a lot of folks, certainly. Either those folks that have been doing this or plan on doing this. I'm pretty small town. I'm pretty accurate right here as a small town dude. Quick break. We'll come back. Another small town guy from Lanesville, Indiana. Greg Rakestraw is going to join us on the other side. Rick Venturi, Shane Steichen on this show coming up tomorrow. More of your calls and a shout out inside the lounge via YouTube Live coming up as well. Jason Aldean tickets coming at you in the next 32. Don't leave. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. It's Jim Pimmer, now talk to him, damn it! 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan. Zach Kiefer, Alex Golden, podcast 1075thefan.com. Happy Valentine's Day to you. The Valentine's Day slow jam 
2023 continues on the show. Rick Venturi and Shane Steichen join the show coming up tomorrow, which will be can't miss. Meantime, on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline, normally at 3.30 on a Tuesday, today at 5.30 on a Tuesday. That is okay. And his request on Saturday night was that re-entry, PM Dawn, uh, Die Without You. That is for Valentine's Day, and Greg Rakestraw is with us now. Hello, Greg. Hello, sir. You want to hear my Valentine's Day schedule? I do. Uh, So I helped produce a show in the ISC Sports Network studios today, our Delphi Bracketology guys. Right. Then the reason I couldn't join you at 3.30 is I was doing the play-by-play of the Indy 11 preseason friendly against Indiana Wesleyan, of which Indy 11 won 5-1. And now I'm on my way to Lawrence North High School for Fisher's and Lawrence North. So not exactly much time for loving on this Valentine's so, Day, despite wow. the fact that I love my job every day. Wow. Indiana Wesleyan and the Indy 11, how big was, how wide was the gap between levels was, of talent? It was significant. Now, to Indiana Wesleyan's credit, Indy 11 made a mistake at the back, and Indiana Wesleyan pounced on it. Uh, but this is the equivalent to, you see this at the very start of, of spring training baseball, like the Boston Red Sox play Boston College every year. Yeah, Butler played Indy 11 on Friday and beat them, and beat them 3-1. So, I mean, so it happens. Uh, the Indy 11 have three more preseason matches left. They'll all be against professional sides, kind of, you know, the Chicago Fire's two-team, uh, the Chicago Fire Reserves, and then forward Madison, who plays in the league below us in USL League One. But, uh, yeah, it was it was 5-1, and uh, possession was probably somewhere in the neighborhood of uh, 80-20, 85-15 in favor of the Indy 11. All right, so it's not like me trying to guard Laurie Marketing last night with playing for the Pacers, no, right? If they were to sign me to you, a one-game contract. You might have had better success uh, in last night's game, John. Not defensively, I'm going to tell you that. <laughs> not, probably not offensively if we judge by how I played on, on Sunday at Perry Meridian, which was just awful. Greg Rakestraw is with uh, Shane Steichen. What do you think? Maybe some thoughts to that maybe jumped off the page for you after that introductory press conference earlier today. You know, I'm not going to claim to have great knowledge of Shane Steichen before this whole cycle kind of began. Um, but what I will say is he is the right type of hire. Uh, he checks all the bo- he checks all the boxes from, from a resume standpoint. Uh, and again, the trend of the game is to go with a young offensive mind. And knowing that he has worked with people from Philip Rivers to Justin Herbert to Jalen Hurts, and that again, the teams that have have signed the young offensive coordinator typically have won more games and the guys that have gone with the defensive guy. To me, not only is it the right type of hire, but it also signifies that the Colts recognize and realize they have to find their next quarterback at four or somewhere in the vicinity of this coming NFL draft. So to me, the hire is just as important for what it symbolizes as a coherent direction going forward for this football team 
because that's the biggest thing they're in need of to me. He's uh, Greg Rakeshaw on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Jim Irsay, kind of a, a bit of a playful back and forth with Chris Ballard when they were talking about Jalen Hurts. When he was drafted by Philly, they actually traded back to draft him in the second round. And then Jim Irsay countered with, you know, I, I like that kid from Alabama, too. We have been discussing a little bit whether or not that was good going into this draft for Jim Irsay to say or if it was completely insignificant and did not matter in the context of things. What do you think? I think it is largely insignificant because I, I know how Jim is. It, Jim will uh, Jim will throw things out there just to kind of get people talking a little bit. Um, and again, is is it going to be Jim's pick? Is it going to be Chris Ballard's pick? Um, I, I kind of get the feeling it's it's again going to be back to being more of, of of Chris Ballard's show because this hiring process played out literally the way that Chris Ballard predicted it would. When he met with the media the Thursday after the season ended, when he said, hey, this might take until mid-February, and by God, we are at the absolute middle of February, and the coach was announced today you know, by the Indianapolis Colts. So I, I think that's Jim just kind of throwing something out. I'm not sure if uh, that was you know, exactly tipping the Colts' hand that Bryce Young is going to be the next, you're going to be the next quarterback of the Indianapolis Colts. I did say this when um, Shane Steichen went over all those he was thanking, um, those in his life and certainly those he has worked with and coached. There are a lot of high-level skill position players in those mentions, and I, I hope that the general manager took a lot of those those names in at the same time. Well, again, let's go back to Chris's end-of-season press conference when he says, hey, maybe it's, you know, I'm paraphrasing here, when he basically says, hey, maybe it's time to acknowledge that, you know, things need to be done differently or or you learn from from mistakes. And again, you know, that first pick needs to be a quarterback in my estimation. And does that potentially involve trading up or moving up to get that guy? I think it might, uh, just because that kind of how the dominoes fall. So then if you're going to take a quarterback at one, then you're looking at potentially drafting wide receiver uh, in a similar position in the second round, which you have done. The other way around that is is to potentially go out and get that guy in free agency. And, again, let's kind of do the, the salary cap slash roster math on the fly. If you think you're going to have your quarterback of the future in the first round of the draft, then that guy's on a rookie deal for five years. What does that allow you to do? Go out and spend more money at other positions, namely at the wide receiver position. So, again, let's see if all the jigsaw pieces fit uh, in terms of if it's going to be a young quarterback – Maybe you go out and get a more experienced receiver in terms of free agency. He is Greg Rakestraw on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. So are you doing any of the uh, semi-state games this weekend for the girls? I am not, I'm not doing semi-state because I have the wrestling state finals uh, on Saturday night. So if Lanesville would have played somewhere close to Indianapolis, I would have done the morning session and then gone and done wrestling. So instead, I'm going to do the Marion University men's game on Saturday afternoon and then go do the wrestling state finals Saturday night at Gamebridge Fieldhouse. Do you like the way that this has gone now with the semi-state? Um, it, all, like the new way, I guess, they're going about doing this. Here is, the, here is the, the two biggest advantages to the new format that I see. One, there are 32 communities talking about the semi-state instead of 16. When you have double the number of teams that now get to get into the semi-state round. Two... You have more great gymnasiums and facilities that get used. Um, it's unfortunate that they couldn't host at Greencastle 
because their team wasn't going to be allowed to, you know, play at home in the semi-state round. Because I love the McAnally Center, uh, and that is a gym that I hope more people have a chance to go check out. I love the fact that the Bill Garrett Gymnasium gets more use at Shelbyville because, simply put, it teaches more people about the importance of whom Bill Garrett was and, and the role that he plays in terms of diversifying Indiana University basketball and historically who that person is. Um, I love the fact that Southport gets more hoop you know, out of this. Uh, so, they're, they're, you know, you get eight semi-state sites and not four. Those are two things that I am a big fan of. So, Southport is Bedford North Lawrence, Center Grove, and Lawrence North and Ben Davis on Saturday? That is correct. And so, frankly, I think those four would have ended up, ended up at Shelbyville. But then once Greencastle could not host, Southport was the one that on very short notice said, yep, we'll take it. And then because of the proximity of – Really, all four of those teams. I mean, even even Bedford to Southport is maybe an hour at most at this point because of the uh, rapid pace of the finishing of a construction of I-69. That was a no-brainer to put those teams at Bedford North Lawrence. Yeah, and uh, Jeff Allen is a, a friend of mine. Jeff Allen is from my hometown of, of Owensburg, yeah. the longtime now head coach, very successful head coach of Bedford, Bedford North Lawrence, and as always, they're beyond legit. Yeah, I had a chance to see them in terms of the Hall of Fame Classic, and Spreen and Norman lead the way for that group. They are very much a positionless team. Really nobody above 5'10 that plays. They'll play seven. They'll switch every screen. I think they're the favorite to come out of that group. Ben Davis has significant height uh, in terms of Kristen Carter at 6'4", Taylor Guess at 6'0". Ben Davis could be a problem for them. I just don't know if Ben Davis can score enough points to get past them now. Bedford North Lawrence would have to beat Center Grove, and LN's playing well, and BD would have to beat LN for those two teams to see each other. But Bedford North Lawrence, to me, is the favorite of those four teams at Southport. So what's going to happen is they're going to play at Southport, somebody's going to cut down the nets, and then nobody's going to put new nets back up, and then we'll have to play Sunday morning in the auxiliary gym. That's what's going to happen. John, um, Brian Murphy and the staff at Southport (laughs) are so used to hosting events where nets get cut down, I guarantee you that, you know, ISC is producing that location, We're producing that location and Frankfurt for the IHSA Champions Network. I guarantee you almost by the time that we sign off on the broadcast on Saturday night, new nets, in fact, will be in place so you can sell, yell short on all your three-point the shots the next day. Auxiliary gym hurts my knees. Bad. Well, then we'll get you on the main gym. Hurts my knees. Sure. Rob Brown is, is the guy that's on the call of that for us. I'll tell Rob to make yes. sure nets are in place before he leaves on Saturday night. No doubt about it. All right, so in closing here, Boilermakers upset on the road at Northwestern on Sunday. IU gets Northwestern coming up tomorrow, tomorrow night at 9 o'clock in Evanston. And then Butler gets that win over Xavier this past Friday. Uh, the good and the bad of the weekend local and college basketball. What do you think? I thought it was more good than bad, and not just not two teams winning and one team losing. Again, Purdue's got some house money to play with. Another loss or two, maybe we're having a slightly different conversation. Um, but, again, I think that's just, again, a, a it's still a young team. Because you're young at guard, it means you're a young team. It's still a young Purdue team that is learning, but it's frankly better to have these hiccups now than to have them in March. And so now is the time you want to learn. For Butler, was a great moment. They frankly have to, you know, win the Big East tournament to be an NCAA tournament team at this point. They have to get on a run to be an NIT team at this point. 
good moment for them, but it's still been a year where they should be better than they are. And as far as Indiana is concerned, that's a matter of keeping it rolling. Um, and, and is there enough time and enough games left for them to catch Purdue? Well, yes, because they play at Purdue one more time coming up next Saturday. But, again, you know, the main concern for Indiana is be playing well enough to be a factor come NCAA tournament time, and that's exactly what they're doing. It's Greg Rakestraw on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Always fantastic, no matter at 3.30 or 5.30. It all works. <laughs> Appreciate you, brother. Back to my back to my regular time next week, and, and of course, since you're kind of play PM Don for me, what is the theme coming up? Uh, this uh, it'll be it'll be 80s and 70s. I think they're doing, and I don't know why. I guess because Valentine's Day is today. They're doing Love Song Weekend, and I, I kind of did that with Love Song Request a little bit right. last week. So yeah. All right, I'll, I'll I'll think about love songs that work for me in junior high. Got it. I'll, I'll <laughs> no, no, we'll go we'll go seventies, we'll go seventies, eighties, a little bit of nineties for you coming up on Saturday. I'll I'll sneak it into nineteen ninety one. Then we're then we're getting to my heyday. You got Thank it, buddy. You, Appreciate you. Got it. It's uh, Greg Rakestraw on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Your chance to win some Jason Aldean tickets coming up, and we'll close out the show with a big day coming at you tomorrow. I'll explain next. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. I'm the bullish prince. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Hey, welcome back. Zach Kiefer, Greg Rakestraw, and Alex Golden today. Podcast, 107.5thefan.com. Inside the lounge via YouTube Live. Spectacular work. Big show tomorrow. Rick Venturi, Kevin Bowen, Shane Steichen, the new head coach of the Colts, which, by the way, according to Ian Rappaport, has been given a six-year deal. And that's according to Ian Rappaport. Shane Steichen introduced as the next head coach of the Colts today. Again, reportedly, according to Ian Rappaport, a six-year deal as the new head coach of the Colts. Shane Steichen joins us on the show. That is coming up tomorrow, too. Jason Aldean tickets right now, by the way. Caller 9 is going to be a winner. That show is coming up in September at Ruoff Home Mortgage Music Center. Thank you very much to Live Nation. To Kyle and Jimmy and the gang for always being great and helping us give you the opportunity to attend the best concerts here in Central Indiana. Always thank you very much. Kyle, Jimmy, and to you for listening to James' great job across the board from me. Great day. Shane Steichen, more on that tomorrow. And I use a road player tomorrow at Northwestern too. We'll dive into that a little bit as well. I mentioned I can't wait. Rick Venturi reemerges on the show coming up in the 4 o'clock hour tomorrow. You will not want to miss that on the new head coaching hire and the direction player personnel wise and more with Rick Venturi coming up tomorrow at 4 and at some point it may be in the 5 it may be at 3.30 tomorrow but Shane Steichen is going to be on this show the new head coach of the Colts that is coming up tomorrow thank you so much for being a part of this today back in studio with you tomorrow Trackside's coming at you tonight with Kevin and Kevin that's a 7 o'clock get together right here 
93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Have a fantastic Valentine's Day. Talk to you tomorrow at 3.